I think one of the reasons I think that video is funny is I can relate to some of it, hopefully not the last one, but I can relate to some of it. I mean, we feel those things. When I get bills in the mail, I kind of feel like that. I'm like, no, I don't want to pay this. Emotions are a big deal in our lives. I mean, it affects us every day. It influences every relationship with ha we have, every decision that we make. Emotions are a big deal. Here's an example. I'm, I'm pretty competitive. You might not know that about me, but if you've ever played a board game with me or video game with me or watched me watch a sporting event, I get a little intense. Like, I don't understand why people get together and hang out just to play a game. You play to win the game. I don't understand that. Why would you do that? I play everything to win it. Now, my wife... Abby, she's competitive too, and we're realizing that our kids are pretty competitive as well. I was recently playing with my six-year-old Asher, my three-year-old Eliza, a board game. And at the end of the board game, one of the kids, who will name nameless, threw the board across the living room because they lost, looked right at me and said, you're not my daddy anymore. <laughs> I mean, in retrospect, perhaps I shouldn't have crushed them at Sneaky Snacky Squirrel because that's the game we were playing, but they've got to learn sometime, right? <laughs> In the holidays, a couple of weeks ago, playing another game with my in-laws, kind of extended family, my wife, and, and we were playing, I had a strategy, it was a strategic game, and I had a strategy, worked really well in the first round, and I was excited, maybe a little cockier than I should have been, and it didn't work out. Second round, third round, I'm getting irritated, I'm getting frustrated. They're kind of poking fun at me, which I deserved. And then Abby, she said something hilarious, well-phrased, well-timed. If I had said it, I would have been really proud of it. Everybody busted up laughing, except for me. Ticked me off. I mean, we didn't talk the rest of the night. You might call it the silent treatment. You might call it an adult temper tantrum. You might call it immature. All of those things are true. I was all of those things. And I realized that I was controlled by my emotions. Just couldn't get past how I felt about a dumb board game. And we, we kind of live our lives this way, right? I mean, we can all think of something that makes us mad or makes us sad or makes us happy or makes us anxious. We make decisions based on how we feel at times. And it's like we do the adult version of throwing the board game across the living room. We go in for one cookie, and then before we know it, we've eaten all the cookies, and there's an empty cookie jar, and we don't have somebody at home saying, Adam, why is there a cookie all over your face? And if you asked me the question, why did you eat all the cookies, the most honest answer many of us can come up with, because I felt like it. That actually describes a lot of our behavior. Because I felt like it. We gossip about our neighbor because it makes us feel a certain way. We yell at the car that cut us off and ticks us off because we feel like it. We see something we don't agree with on social media and we can't help but argue. It makes us feel a certain way. A lot of our energy, a lot of our time, 
a lot of our thinking is focused on how we feel. And if we pause and if we ask why, why do we do the things we do? The full answer for me at times is because I felt like it. We want to feel a certain way. For me, I want to feel good. However we describe that, maybe we want to feel secure in our finances. Maybe we want to feel a certain way in a relationship. Maybe we want to feel safe or successful or happy. And so we say what we want, when we want, how we want, or we do what we want, when we want, how we want. And we even applaud this sometimes, don't we? I admire how you live your own truth. Have you ever heard that phrase? And some people think that emotions are the most important thing in their lives. And some people think they don't have emotions and they aren't important and they ignore them. Neither's good, neither's healthy, and I'm guilty of both. And if we're not careful because I felt like it, begins to control our lives, whether we acknowledge our feelings or not. Now, we're in this series called Restart, and we're talking about what it looks like for us to live our lives in certain areas, physically, financially, emotionally, what it looks like for us to focus those areas on God. So how do we spend 2020 being healthy in our emotional lives? Now, I want to pause because I think it's important to understand that this isn't necessarily talking about mental health or mental illness today. I mean, we're dealing with everyday feelings and everyday situations, the type of things that we can all relate to. But before we dive further in, I think it's important to say something about anxiety and about depression. I want you to know, and you might know this, those two things have affected me deeply I struggle with them actively. It's a big deal in my life. And I know that in church, we don't always deal with mental illness particularly well. Sometimes there's a stigma around it. And sometimes we respond with, hey, just pray about it. And, and we think that that fixes everything. Sometimes it does, and it's really helpful. But sometimes it's hard to identify what's going on inside of us. And it's hard to see it in somebody else. You can't just look at somebody and go, you know what they're dealing with? Sometimes you can, but most of the time you can't. And because we can't feel it or taste it or, or hold it in our hands, anxiety and depression become even a bigger deal. And they're real and they're powerful. So if you struggle with this, I want you to know you're not alone. And I also want you to know I believe that you're gonna make it. We're with you, and Jesus is the hope of the world. It's the hope of how we feel, and somebody needs to hear this today. Jesus is more powerful than the most powerful issue in your life. It's true. So if this is you, I want you to know that this is a safe place where we can deal with going on inside of you, what's going on in your heart, I'm personally inviting you, 
either at the end of our service to come back down and to talk about it, call us this week. We want to, as a church, walk along with you and be a part of you dealing with anxiety and depression in your life. But what about those everyday feelings? You know, the things that kind of bubble up when we're driving to work or when we're sitting at our desk or when we're talking to our kids. What does it look like for us to make sure we aren't controlled by the way that we feel. Now, there's an amazing true story in the Bible. It's about two brothers. It's a great example regarding emotions. It's in Genesis 25. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. And if you've got a Bible app, if you've got your Bible with you, you can turn there. We'll spend most of our time there. We'll also have the scripture references here on the screen. And this story is about Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau were twins. And they were sons of Isaac and Rebekah. Now Esau was the older brother. I mean, barely. You understand how twins work, right? He came out first, but barely. Esau would have had the birthright of his dad, Isaac. And here's what that means. He would have gotten to lead the family after Isaac had died. He would have had authority he would have had land and political influence, and he would have had a double portion of his inheritance. He would have been rich. Big deal. It was good to be the firstborn. He had the birthright. Esau had it. Jacob didn't, and that's where we pick up our story. This is Genesis 25, verse 27. So as the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter. He was an outdoorsman, but Jacob had a quiet temperament, preferring to stay at home. Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game Esau brought him. But Rebekah loved Jacob. One day, when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness, exhausted and hungry. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. This is how Esau got his other name. He was called Edom sometimes, which means red. All right, Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as the firstborn son. That's a hard right turn, Jacob. <laughs> Look, I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright to me now? But Jacob said, first you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all of his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew. Esau ate the meal, then got up and left. He showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. When we read this, when I read this, it doesn't seem to talk about emotions a lot. But if you look carefully, there are all sorts of emotional claims and responses here. So Esau's coming back from hunting. He's tired. He's hungry. He's so tired and hungry, he says he's dying of starvation. He says that his birthright is worthless because he's about to die. Have you ever done that? Have you ever overstated something? because of how you're feeling in the moment. I'm dying of thirst. This line is gonna take forever. You're the most impatient person I've ever met. This is the best steak I've ever had. We all say things like that. And Esau says, I'm dying of starvation. He's not, he's hungry. But he wanted what he wanted when he wanted it. None of us can relate to that. He feels like stew. So give them stew. You and I come home and we say, pass the ice cream. I don't care how unhealthy it is. 
We can relate to this. And the first thing that I want to point out is feelings say things to us, and feelings say, do what feels good. We want to like everything we do, don't we? At least I do. I want to enjoy everything. I want it to feel a certain way. And there are even lines of thinking that if it doesn't feel good, don't do it. You know, maybe it sounds like this. You deserve it. Live your truth. If it feels good, it can't be bad. If something feels this good, it can't be a bad thing for you. Or I had a coworker when I worked at Kroger. She said it this way, you do you, boo. She said it to everybody. And we, we kind of live that way, don't we? We want to go, you know what? Do what I feel like. And at first it kind of makes sense for Esau. I mean, he's hungry. He did likely need something to eat and he worked hard. Why is Jacob treating him that way? He wanted to come and he wanted to recline with his favorite red stew. We can all relate to that. But the truth is, feelings aren't reliable. What feels good can actually cause harm. Proof, overeating feels good in the moment, doesn't it? Not exercising feels way better than struggling through a workout. Telling a lie about where you were to somebody you're in a relationship with might feel right or easier. Not dealing with the broken relationship might feel easier. And Esau wanted to do what feels good. And because he was doing what he felt like doing in the moment and ruled by his feelings, he showed contempt for his birthright. He didn't feel like it was important. It actually causes harm. And he loses it. And it feels honorary to us today. But remember, it meant he got to lead. It meant he had political influence. It meant he was rich. It meant he had land. It meant that he would have had God's favor meant he would have had God's focus to be in that birthright of Isaac. He lost all of that, all for a bowl of stew. We pay for the way we feel. We pay for overeating and exercising, like we've said, and we wonder why relationships are broken when we lie or when we hide. And what feels right in the moment can actually cause harm in the long run because we're more concerned with how we feel than what is right. Now, feelings say, do what feels good. And Jesus says, do what is right. Maybe I'd add, do what is right, no matter how it makes you feel. This is the question that nags me when I was thinking about this. Am I willing to do what is right even when it doesn't feel good? Are we willing to do what is right, even if people don't respond the way that we want, even if people think poorly of us, even if we have consequences? If we allow do what feels good to be our guide, I would never do anything difficult if that was my guide. Because our pursuit is how it makes us feel. We never do anything that disrupts our comfort or disrupts our happiness Jesus is more concerned with our character than he is our comfort. Jesus is more concerned with us doing what is right than doing what feels good. He's concerned with how we feel, 
but it's not his primary focus. This is John 14, 21. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Our feelings say, hey, do you, boo. Jesus says, do what's right no matter what. And if you're a follower of Jesus, this verse is directed to you. And Jesus is saying, we show our love, our commitment to Jesus if we follow him, which means obey him. Accept his commandments and obey. This is Galatians 5.16. This is another way to say it. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Our sinful nature and that craving is the way we feel in the moment. And whether it feels good or not, whether we like it or not, Jesus is saying we don't have to be controlled by the way we feel. Am I willing to do what is right even when it doesn't feel good? And my honest answer, I'm going to answer the question for you. Here's my honest answer. Sometimes. That's my honest answer. I genuinely, in my heart, desire to do what is right, to obey Jesus. And I think doing what is right has earthly benefits. I mean, so sometimes doing what is right actually benefits us in the long run. Like, forgiving someone can bring peace, right? Exercising, eating right can help us be healthier, right? So doing what is right feels good sometimes. But what about when doing what is right is just super difficult? What if we're in a situation that doing the right thing is also the difficult thing? Like going to rehab. Like admitting we stole from the company. Like doing our best in a dead-end job. That's when my answer to the question starts to drift from doing what is right to doing what feels a certain way. Because I'm desperately afraid, and this is me being honest, I'm desperately afraid of how doing the right thing will make me feel at times. And that leads us into the second thing that feelings say. Feelings say, I'll feel like this forever. So Esau comes back from hunting, you know, and he says, I'm starving, which is an exaggeration. And Jacob asks him for his birthright. And Esau's response in verse 32, look, I'm dying of starvation. What good is my birthright to me now? Esau wasn't dying of starvation. His feelings were controlling him. And another way of saying what he's saying is, I'll feel like this forever. Have you ever said anything like that? This is the worst job ever. I hate it. I feel like this forever. I finally paid off the car debt. This is what it feels like. I'm debt free. I'll feel like this forever. She broke up with me. No one loves me. I'll feel like this forever. I just ate the best Taco Bell burrito. I'll feel like this forever. 
feelings say, I'll feel like this forever. Jesus says, this world is temporary. We feel things deeply, but time passes and things change. And your job situation gets a little better. Or you make a financial mistake and the credit card debt piles up. Or the person breaking up with you actually ends up motivating you. And the burrito just doesn't turn out well, folks. <laughs> Jesus says it this way in Luke 21:33: Heaven and earth will disappear. It's temporary. But my words will never disappear. The world and the way we feel, our circumstances, our lives, they're temporary. They can and they do change. Have you ever despised something that you end up loving later? I used to absolutely just really turn my nose at sushi. I love sushi now. I used to hate Tom Brady, and now they're going to sign him? Still hate Tom Brady. Sorry. <laughs> Some things never change. Everything we feel is not true. I need to hear that again. Everything I feel is not true. Feelings change. Jesus doesn't. He is who he says he is. He does what he says he'll do. And his desire isn't for us. This is hard for me. His desire isn't for us to feel good today. His desire is for us to be reconciled with him in heaven, in eternity. And he died on the cross. And can you imagine what that felt like? He didn't feel like doing it. It says he prayed for God to take it away. But he did what he knew was right. And he died on the cross and he stood in my place, in your place, for how we fall short, reconciled us to God. And we don't think about it in the context of feelings. But our feelings say, do what feels good. And Jesus says, no, do what is right. And our feelings say, I'll feel like this forever. And Jesus says, this world is temporary. And feelings say, follow your heart. Have you ever heard that? We get ourselves in trouble when we follow our heart. At least I do. We believe our own advice. No one's ever told me, hey, Adam, you give bad advice. Your heart does. The follow your heart lifestyle has flaws. It can't be our only guide because anything could be justified. You know, you see the guy on the street you don't like, you punch him in the face. He says, why'd you do that? Because I felt like it. It's following my heart. We know it breaks down. Emotions are important. And actually, God created them and gave them to us. And it's something we should pay attention to. He believes that our emotion can draw us to him. But when we start to follow them, when we start to place our trust in our emotions, when we focus there, they lead us into dangerous places. So God wants you to have feelings. God just doesn't want your feelings to control you. He doesn't want you to follow your heart. That's what feelings say. Jesus says, follow me. So that anger, that guilt, that fear, that bitterness, that happiness, whatever you're pursuing, 
that can rob us of living the life that God actually intended for us to live. And when we follow our heart, it can destroy relationships, marriages, churches, and we become slaves to the way we feel. But Jesus has this different hope for us. John 12, 26 says, anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the father will honor anyone who serves me. Jesus wants us to follow him. And if we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, we aren't controlled by the circumstances around it. The way we feel doesn't become our God. Our feelings don't become the most important thing anymore. We aren't controlled by them. So how do we do this? Because you might be sitting there and you might be going, Adam, I'm not sure if I have feelings. Well, you do. You also might be saying, Adam, I have all of the feelings. We can deal with that too. Here are just three ways, I think a process we can follow to follow Jesus, not our feelings. Number one, identify your feelings. That sounds simplistic. It is a little simplistic, but it's easier said than done, isn't it? What am I feeling? And then name it. Write it down even. This is helpful. It gives us a starting point in following Jesus. At times, we just live our lives reacting to what's going on. We don't slow down. We don't pay attention. And we go, hey, why am I yelling at this person? Hey, I'm angry. Think about what you're feeling so that you can do the second step. So you identify your feelings, then you examine your feelings. So a lot of times there's, there's stuff below the surface in us. Everything we see isn't what it seems, right? Maybe you feel angry and you've identified the feeling. Now ask, why? Why do you feel the way you feel? Maybe you start to ask why and you realize, hey, you're angry because somebody made fun of you. Maybe it speaks to an insecurity that you have, a hurt that you have in your life. You identified the feeling, anger, then you examined it. Here's, here's a tool that you can use. I feel blank. That's a way to identify your feelings. Because I feel blank. That's the root cause of why you feel a certain way. And when you begin to understand, not just what you feel, but why you feel a certain way, you can start to do something about it. And as a side note, friends, people you trust, your life group, the church can help you if you have trouble with this. If you have trouble identifying your feelings, if you have trouble examining them and understanding why, counseling can help with this. And when you've identified your feelings and you've examined your feelings, you're ready to do something about them. Here's number three, surrender your feelings. So emotions, it turns out, aren't turned on and off like a light switch. Have you ever had somebody come up to you, you know, and you're, you're upset and they just say, calm down. You're like, if I could calm down, I would calm down. We think this, that we can just turn it off. But as you identify your feelings, as you really examine them, it helps us do something. It helps us choose. 
We can choose how we respond to our feelings. We want to be in control. We like to be in control. And we think once we're in control, we make all the right decisions. But instead of being controlled by the way we feel, we actually give them away. We surrender them. We pray and ask Jesus for help. And we keep our focus on him. And we talk to other people about the way we feel and how that interacts with him. And the more we begin to care about what Jesus thinks and who Jesus is, it changes even how we feel. And all of a sudden, instead of being controlled by a fleeting feeling, rather than following our heart, we're following Jesus. You identify, examine, surrender, and wash, rinse, repeat. Remember Esau? Esau sold his birthright to his brother, lost a bunch of money, double share of inheritance, because he was controlled by his emotions. Esau was following his heart, didn't turn out very well. He loses everything because he was hungry in the moment. Esau chose to follow his earthly desire rather than God's blessing. He pays for it. And we pay for it. And if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've already said, yeah, I'm going to follow him. I've surrendered my life to him. Ask yourself this. Am I following my heart, what feels good, or am I surrendering my heart? As a follower, if we only do what we feel like doing, it doesn't turn out very well. When's the last time you've done something that you didn't feel like doing? for Jesus. That's a good measurement here. Are you following your heart? Are you following Jesus? Because you can't follow both. And if you don't know what you believe, if you're still trying to figure it out, but you're tired of feeling like you feel, I want you to know that the first step in doing surrender your feelings is saying, you know what? I am going to follow Jesus. And if we follow Jesus, these destructive, controlling emotions, fear, hate, doubt, anger, happiness that we're pursuing, they're replaced by joy and peace and self-control. And we have a choice. We can identify, we can examine, we can surrender our feelings. Are you going to follow your heart? Are you going to follow Jesus? I'd like to pray for us. Bow your head. Heavenly Father, I come before you today and I admit that this is hard to live out and doing what is right, even when it doesn't feel good, isn't something that I can say that I live out all the time. I confess that to you. But because you are so good and because of your grace and because you love us so much, you give us this opportunity to surrender our feelings, what's going on in our head, in our heart, in our lives, our circumstances, all those things, and you do care about all that. I'm so thankful that Jesus is this example of what to do and how to live with feelings and that he did what is right even when it didn't feel good on the cross, and that we can look at that, we can believe in that, and that changes things for us today. So help us 
not just in this hour on a Sunday, but help us Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, as things bubble up, as we are feeling what we are feeling, help us identify what that means, help us examine it and really dig in, help us see those patterns, and help us surrender, help us follow you with the way that we feel instead of following the way we feel to wherever that's leading. Help me do that. Lord, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for Jesus' example. We thank you for the way that that allows us to come before you today and to surrender to you. And it's in Jesus' name and because of him that we pray today. Amen.